As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So, Mike, have you ever worked at a place where you just don't like your coworkers? Michael, you're not talking about this show, are you? No, I, I, I hope not. Like, no, <laughs> like a real job with, with a paycheck. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, okay. I guess so. Um, but, you know, little tension. Sometimes that makes for the best solutions after all. Well, one of our confessions this week is about just that, the healthy tension between a product manager and the design and development teams at one particular organization. However, it doesn't sound like it's actually leading to better solutions. Well, sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it could definitely feel daunting, uh, but I'm sure we're going to be able to give some insights to this person that's making the confession, though. At least I hope so. <laughs> yes, I'm sure we will. So let's get into it. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, 
Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. Okay, so today on the show, we have a special guest to help us work through these confessions. That's right. Let's welcome Charlie Marie Prangley, the YouTuber, podcaster, and the creative director at ConvertKit. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on here. Yeah, excited to be here. So by day, on part of the evening, I guess, because I live in Spain, um, I'm the creative director for ConvertKit. We're a company that makes email marketing and audience building software for creators. And then on the side, I'm a creator myself. I've got multiple podcasts, a YouTube channel where I talk about design. I'm writing a book about marketing design at the moment. Lots of stuff going on, and you can find links to all of it at charliemarie.com, my website. Okay, so we're going to roll this first confession. This is one that I'm calling, I get along with my in-laws more than the designers and developers that I work with. Okay, I actually do have a confession to make. I work at a tech startup in San Francisco as a product manager. I've been there for the last five years and it's a pretty good job, but here's my confession. I really don't get along well with our designers and developers. In fact, I'd venture to say that I get along more with my in-laws and well, I don't get along with my in-laws very well at all. It's not that I don't like the people on our team. I do, they're mostly nice people, but we rarely see eye to eye on things. I'm not the only PM that feels this way too. It seems to be a common struggle in our company. The designers are always acting like every single thing has to flow through them because they understand our users so well. By the way, I'd argue that this isn't true. The developers are always frustrated because they feel like they don't understand why our roadmap is the way that it is. And us product managers, well, we're trying to do our best to please everybody. Personally though, I've given up on that part, the pleasing everybody. I know what I need to do and I do it but it's definitely not the happy-go-lucky feeling I had when I first joined the company. Okay, Charlie, there is a lot to unpack there. One of the first things I thought is, I mean, I know they say that it seems to be a common struggle in their company. I think we'll find this is pretty common across a lot of companies that Mm. PMs and designers and developers clash. It's just the nature of the job, right? Um, the, The most important thing that I think we all have to remember in this is that everyone on the team is working towards the same goal, right? You're just approaching it and like taking care of different sides of it. But sometimes when you get so deep in it, it can feel like you're just butting heads and I don't know, debating, arguing all the time because your approach to solving a problem is different from this person over here. And it's easy to forget that like, at the end of the day, we are both solving the same problem. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Do you find that, do you ever run into this kind of issue internally or have you in the past? Yeah, I would say for me, it's mostly been with developers, design and development, you know, um, debates about, you know, whether it's really important to add in that extra design flourish that I really wanted to have on my website that is, you know, going to take extra time to build. I think it just happens because, you know, on my side, I'm caring about the brand, I'm caring about the design and that experience. And the developer that I'm working with is caring about the deadline and the like the weight of the code and the build. And Mm so, you know, you got to find a way to meet in the middle about it. (laughs) Totally. I thought of something. um, There was a Cap Watkins piece that he wrote once and he talked about this kind of issue. And the way that he resolved it was having a one to 10 scale of caring. And Mm -hmm. I always thought that was an interesting way to communicate kind of how important this decision was to you. And generally they would go with the more passionate person. I know that's not a perfect solution, but I I thought it was an interesting way to communicate it because there's a gradient to to the caring here. Yeah, I think in general, in the situation, you have to pick your battles really, right? 
And if you find yourself going to bat for everything and caring deeply on a 10 on that scale you talked about for everything, mm -hmm. you're going to exhaust yourself. And I think that's where it can lead to the that feeling, you know, the shine rubbing off a little bit for this person. Um, <laughs> to protect yourself, you have to, like, just care a little less sometimes. <laughs> mm. I love that. You know, I, I'm a, so I'm a product person, but I'm also a dad. And one of the things that kind of went through my mind is like, I, when I start to hear my kids not getting along, like they're starting to argue, like it's my responsibility as a dad to come in and do something. I'm wondering like, where's the parent here? You know, hmm. obviously not, not the real parent, but I'm curious about like, I hope the, I hope the leadership within this company, whoever it is, wherever it is, but I hope they're listening because it's like, if they don't see that this is happening, first of all, if they do see this is happening and they're not doing anything about it, that's mm -hmm. kind of an issue. But if they, if like, I, I'm curious, Charlie, what's your take on like, what, what can be done about this? Like, do you feel like there's anything like leadership even can do to try to solve some of these problems? Yeah. To me, it sounds like leadership or the team in general really needs to set some clearer, I don't know if boundaries is the right word, but some clear lines of who is responsible for what at the end of the day. So that that's all like lines drawn in the sand and, and you're not having to debate over that side of things. And, um, maybe it needs to be clearer who is the decision maker on a certain project as well. Right. Cause it might change depending on, on different projects, but it needs to be clear who, who is really in charge at the, at the top level. Everyone can share their opinions and, you know, make their voices heard, but someone's going to make a decision at the end of the day. And if it's this PM, then that's okay if it like they don't please everybody because if you're the decision maker on it it's your job to sort of take on everyone's thoughts and mm -hmm. like take them through sort through make sense of them and then make a decision um, and if the decision turns out to be not something the designers like all the time um you know they got to live with it i would recommend throwing them a bone every now and then though because yes. <laughs> um you know they might be feeling the same way that the shine is rubbed off and they're not feeling so happy anymore either yeah everybody needs a win mm -hmm. yeah that's the one one part i saw in that i kind of felt bad about it like where they're like it's not the happy-go-lucky feeling like yeah. we all want that we all want to feel good about it so hopefully they could get back to that place yeah i hope so i think it's worth trying as well especially if you had it there to start with um, it's worth trying to get it back we'll be right back after a quick break When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. Dot com. That's business.att.com. Okay, so we're gearing up for our second confession. And this is one that I think a lot of folks are going to be able to relate to, especially those entrepreneurial-minded folks. This is one we're calling, I found my passion and it's not at my current company. I've been a product designer for the past seven years. It was actually a career change for me. I've always tinkered with design on the side, but I had actually been a high school art teacher for the first 10 years of my career. I loved that part of my life, but made the change for a few reasons. Anyway, the company that I currently work for, well, it's fine. If I'm being honest, though, it's a job. It pays the bills pretty well at that, but it doesn't really fuel me 
My side hustle, on the other hand, that's been really fueling me for the past year or so. I started an Etsy shop at the beginning of COVID. More as a hobby, really, creating custom artwork for people. It's turned into a really nice side business. It's not at the point where I can take the leap full time, but it's a nice five-figure side hustle for me. Maybe it will turn into something more, maybe not. But I'm excited that I've really found something that I'm giddy about. The funny thing is, ever since starting this, I actually feel better about my day job. It's almost as if the things that really frustrated me, well, I can put them to the side and just look forward to diving into my Etsy shop later on. So for now, that's what I've been doing. All right, Charlie, when you hear that confession, what are you thinking? Yeah, well, I can relate to this a lot because as a serial side hustler, you know, I've got a <laughs> lot going on outside of work. Um, it, it fuels me. And I think that we all need different things to feel fulfilled creatively. And some people are very lucky and they can get that from their job, just from their job. They get everything that they need to feel creatively fulfilled, to feel fueled as a person, as a human. But a lot of the times that's not the case, right? We don't get everything we need from the job. And that's where I think side hustles are amazing. That's the reason mine exists. Um, I love designing. That's what I do for my job. But I also love teaching and I love connecting with other designers and like, you know, making content, sharing videos. And that's not part of my job but I can do it on the side and it can fuel me and fulfill me uh, as a side hustle instead. So everything sort of comes together. And it sounds like that's what this person has figured out, right? Like there was something missing that they needed to feel fulfilled and they sort of stumbled upon it in this Etsy shop, which is fantastic. Yeah. I think it's such a great, a great take. I think we also, we often look at side hustles as just income, but I don't think mm -hmm. that's the case at all. And in, in this case, it's very much fulfillment. And it sounds like it's that for your, for you too, Charlie. Yeah, definitely. And I wonder too, if there is actually something about this person's job that is fueling them, like if they're mm. able to be happy now with it and they're not, I don't know, it doesn't sound like they're like, right, I'm going to take this full time. They're more like, well, it'd be interesting if it did. So I wonder if there is something about the job that is fueling them that perhaps they couldn't see before because they were lacking something else. Right. So it was sort of yeah. like, bringing everything down. Well, that makes sense to me because sometimes like where I thought the confession was going at first and reading it was, you know, and I'm ready to, you know, I have the side hustle and I'm going to jump into it full yep. time when the time's right. They didn't say that. So to your point, it feels like not, not every, not all is lost with their current job. Maybe they just needed that extra thing on the side. And sometimes people think about side hustles as you, you, or, you know, some sort of creative outlet, like this is something you have to dive into full-time. Mm. Don't, don't have to do that at all. It could always be a really fulfilling, rewarding side hustle, right? Yeah, totally. That's what the approach I've taken with mine. I've been making YouTube videos for about seven years now. And, wow. uh, for maybe about five or six years, I've had people asking me like, when are you going to go full-time with it? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not, because then I'd be missing out on this other huge, like chunk of creative, um, output that I need to feel fulfilled, which is, yeah. you know, the job of designing and, and being part of a team and all that. Uh, so it's, it's definitely been a conscious choice for me to keep it on the side, to make sure that I'm still got all those areas covered. Uh, I'd be interested to say, I don't know, I know this is anonymous, so we can't really follow up with this person, but <laughs> I wonder what will happen in the future. Like maybe they'll reach the point where they take it full time. Um, I've found that sometimes people with side hustles, 
maybe it's imposter syndrome or like not having enough mm. faith in themselves or something, but they mm. say they're not interested in taking it full time because they're afraid, right? Of the leap that that would require. And I don't know, the hard work involved and it's scary to do that. So yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe, yeah. It'd be interesting to know what, what if this person in the future does decide to make it a full-time thing. Cause it sounds like it could. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to encourage them if they're listening out there to reach out to you, Charlie, and at okay. least uh, reach out to <laughs> us and you, and they can update us on their situation. It'd be cool to have them check back in. Maybe they can reveal themselves at that point if they feel so comfortable to do so. Yes. <laughs> and I hope they do keep building as well. Um, it can be hard to have a side hustle, like work can take over because at the end of the day, it's the thing that's paying most of your bills. So you have to mm. treat it as the most important thing. Um, so you got to find a little space for yourself on the side to keep being a happy, fulfilled person. So I hope they do. Yeah. And, and I think it's, by the way, it's like, if they decide to always keep it on the side, I, I think that's fine. Michael and I, like we've been, we've been co-hosting rocket ship. I, we've never, I mean, maybe there's a day where that, you know, it's like, we can yep. talk about that, but I don't, we've never had a conversation. Like, what can we do to take this full time and make rocket? It's like the idea, at least for us is like, it's, it's always here. This is fueling us as an awesome creative outlet, but, but we love what we're doing, you know, elsewhere yeah. too. So I think it could, it could always add to it. It doesn't have to replace something. Totally. We'll be right back with our two big takeaways from today after a quick break. Okay, we're back, and now it's time for our two big takeaways. Yeah, you know, we always finish the show with those two big takeaways, and I'll go first. Um, you know, my takeaway from that first confession was that communication is everything, and there's obviously a bit of a void on this team from leadership and communicating the vision and the goals to their team. It leaves everyone just sort of battling it out in the trenches without any clear guidance. Now, product managers, they have a tough job. They have to lead a team without having any leverage to lead the team. If I was this product person, I'd definitely be asking my manager to help give some guidance and direction to the team at large, help get aligned with the design and the engineering leaders, and really just make sure that everyone's pursuing the same goal so that we could be working from the same set of data points. We also have to remind ourselves that sharing our Legos, so to speak, it's a good thing. I mean, it's what good team members actually do. When we hoard them, our results and the solutions, they're compromised and progress stalls. So share your Legos, everybody. I mean, it's not kindergarten. We are in the real world now. It's really everyone's responsibility to really contribute to a collaborative and positive team culture. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I'll take mine from the second confession, and that is we are actually multidimensional beings, and our happiness will most likely not be solely comprised of a single specialty that we possess. It's amazing when we're able to professionally specialize in a particular field, but that doesn't mean that's the only thing you should pursue or that your entire identity should be hinged on the success or failure of that one aspect of your life. I love that this person has found a creative outlet, much like we have with this podcast, to express a different side of themselves outside of their career. It doesn't matter if it's a full-time thing. It doesn't even matter if it flops in a year. At this point in time, this person's happy and they're fulfilled, and that's what really matters. Yeah, I love that, Michael. Well, with all of that, uh, until next time, this has been Michael Saka and Mike Belsito for Rocketship.fm, and we will see you next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com. 